Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and Whole and Complete is all about faith and wellness, loving God and living well. And so I know some of you are giving me the side eye like, chick, where was our episode last week? It was a holiday. Give me a break. (laughs) I hope you all had, for those of you that listen to me in the United States, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. For those of you who are not in the United States, you all are looking at me with a side eye like, ma'am, Thanksgiving don't mean nothing over here in the UK. What's up with that? I'm sorry, but I was taking a moment of rest and time to be grateful, to think about all of the things that I am grateful for. It's my favorite holiday. And so we took a week hiatus, but we are right back in it. And for those of you to remind you, we are in a relationship series. And so we have done a relationship with food. We have done a relationship with money series that we have just completed with Kara Stevens. And now we are talking about the relationship with God. And I saved this one for the end because this is a massive topic, just like money is a massive topic, but even more so because it really just kind of gets into every fiber of our being. Okay, so this is a a faith based podcast. And faith is something that can be tricky for a lot of people. I know people that came to faith at one point, and then became disenchanted and jaded and have completely walked away from it. And so I want to tread lightly, but also meaningfully through this part of the series, because whole and complete is really about how you show up in the world as whole and complete individuals and not just as someone who works, not just as someone who parents, not just as someone who may have a spouse or romantic relationships, but also how you show up spiritually. And so we are going to do a good deep dive into the relationship with God series. And as always, we have a guiding scripture, which I have chosen for this series, Exodus, good old Moses, chapter three, verses 13 through 15. And they read as follows. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. And so in this massive topic of relationship with God, we are going to talk about two things today. We are going to talk about calm out of chaos and we're going to talk about attachment. So let's get into it. So As we often do, let's go back to our definition, the same definition that we have used throughout the entirety of all of these series. So the money series, the food series, defining relationship, looking at the way in which two people, two objects or concepts are connected. In this case, the people, so two beings (laughs) are connected, okay, the ways in which we are connected to God and how we came to be. And this series is deeply personal because this relationship, among all others, above all others, has been the most challenging relationship and also the most essential to my life. Usually I will bring my story into the series somewhere in the second or third episode. But today we are going to start. We are going to start with how I met God, how I came to know him. And I have mentioned on this podcast more than once that my childhood was less than idyllic. Okay, it was not sunshine and rainbows and fairy tales and ponies and even though it certainly had its good moments it certainly had its happy moments a lot of my childhood was marred by 
violence and abuse and chaos. So at one point in time, my mother was married to a man who was violent and abusive. And I spent a good chunk of my formative years. So about five years of my life feeling very unsafe and very uncertain. And I can say without compunction that I despised everything about this man. I was afraid of him and I hated, I hated that my mother brought him into our lives. Ironically, he had grown up in a religious household. His father was a prominent leader in the church, but his father was also very abusive. And so he grew up watching his father abuse his mother and then go to church and put on this pious facade and face. And he had adopted those traits. So this man that my mother married had adopted those traits and he was the one who introduced relational and domestic abuse and violence into my life. And anytime that I would make any mention, so he is also the father of my sister. So anytime that I would make mention as a child about my sister, he would always correct me and let me know that she was my half sister. I was like, okay, imagine saying that to like a seven-year-old, to like an eight-year-old, but that's the kind of person that he was. He was uneducated, he was underemployed, he was entitled, and he was manipulative, and he was abusive and narcissistic. He was a complete and total a-hole. I mean, completely and totally. And yet... He is also the reason that I have a relationship with God. This man, the one that I just described to you, the abuser, the manipulator, the the liar, the cheater, the undereducated and all that. He is the reason that I know God. He is the one who actually introduced me to God. And I don't remember exactly how we got on the subject, but I remember standing in the living room and he was standing in the kitchen and he began to share with me who God was. And he told me who God was. He told me about his son, Jesus. He told me how he had died on the cross to save me. And that if I wanted a relationship with him, that all I had to do was just believe it and ask him to come into my heart. And I was eight years old when we had this conversation. And after that conversation, I went into my bedroom and I closed my door and I got on my ashy little knees And I asked God to come into my heart. I remember it as I'm telling you this right now. I can see myself doing it right now in my mind's eye. That was 35 years ago. And I remember that moment like it was yesterday. And a few weeks later, you know, I started to go to church with his sister because his sister and my mother were good friends. And I actually think that's how she ended up meeting this guy. And so I started going to church with his sister and I ended up joining that church. And so I just came down the aisle and, you know, officially gave my life to the Lord And I remember that there was a time set for me to be baptized. And so they baptized in the evening service. And so when it was time for me to get baptized, I almost did not make it to my baptism because he and my mother had gotten into this massive stomp down, drag out argument. And just to paint the picture for you, I offer this, you know, not to just be offering up all the tea, but I I offer this up to you so that you can see the contrast, the juxtaposition between the kind of person that this was, and this also being the same person who, in some moment of divinity, was the one who told me 
and introduced me to Jesus. And at that age, all I was looking for was calm. Okay, as much as I despised that man, as much as I hated being around him, as much as I resented my mother for bringing him into our lives, there was something so unquestionably real and believable about what he said about God. And I think it was because in the way that he shared it, he shared it in a way that was so uncharacteristic of him. So he always talked with a hard edge. He always talked with an attitude. He always talked with an air of arrogance, but there was something that was so sobering and human about the way that he presented the story of God to me. And through that experience, that was the first time that I knew that God could bring calm out of chaos. It was the first time that I knew that God could use anybody (laughs) to accomplish his will. It was the first time that I knew that no person is ever only and always any one thing. For all of his deplorable characteristics, God used him to call me out of darkness And I share that story with you to let you know that our relationship with God, the ways in which we become connected to or try to stay connected to and through God can be very complicated and complex. There is nothing, there is absolutely nothing simple about faith because faith requires you to look beyond what is into what is possible. Faith requires you to deny your eyes, to deny the realities of your experience and believe that there is more to your story. Now, yes, kids are naive and impressionable and easy to manipulate, but even as a child who had no real childhood to speak of, the truth of God latched onto me and I latched onto it like Velcro. Something in my spirit, a voice in my being said, this is real. And though that was not the end of the abuse or the chaos, because that would continue for years yet, a seed had been planted and all these years later, nothing has been able to pluck it out. Which brings me to attachment. So attachment theory, Google it, okay? There's so much information. I mean, I really can't even do it justice. And you know, I'm not a psychologist and I've never positioned myself as such, but I do borrow from that discipline to inform some of the conversations that we have here on this podcast. And so attachment theory, attachment styles are typically characterized by different ways of interacting and behaving in relationships. So the way that we interact with other people in romantic relationships and parenting relationships in friendships, there's a characterization of the way that we attach or don't attach to those people. And typically these attachment styles are developed during early childhood and they typically come from the way that we interact with our parents in childhood. And so attachment is defined as a special emotional relationship that involves the exchange of comfort, the exchange of care and pleasure. And it typically has four characteristics. The first characteristic is proximity maintenance. So what this is, is the desire to be near the people that we are attached to, the desire to be proximal to them. Do we feel safe being close to our parents, our caregivers, the people that are supposed to take care of us? The second characteristic is safe haven. So when we are away from 
our caregivers, our parents or whatever, do we return to the attachment figure for comfort and safety in the face of a fear or a threat? So let's say, you know, you were playing with your Lego blocks or something like that. And all of a sudden you saw a caterpillar crawl across the floor and it scared you. Do you hop up and go run to mommy? Do you hop up and go run to daddy? Do you hop up and go run to the attachment figure? Because you, you think this is the place where I will now be safe. The third characteristic is the secure base. And so this is where the attachment figure serves as a base of security from which the child can explore the surrounding environment. In other words, it's okay for me to wander away a little bit because I know that wherever I wander, I can always come back to this place that is safe for me. I can always come back to this person who is safe for me. And then the last one is separation distress. And this is anxiety that occurs in the absence of an attachment figure. And so when mom or dad is not there, you know, some kids go like completely crazy when their parents have left the room or they get dropped off at kindergarten or preschool or what have you because they're so distressed by being separated from that parent or that caregiver. And so that is kind of like the the basic and I'm I'm simplifying this for the purposes of time because this is like I try to stay within the pocket of like 28 to 30 minutes. But, you know, that's kind of like the simplification of what attachment theory is, what those styles are characterized by. And from that description of what I just said, from from a proximity, safe haven, secure base and separation distress, typically there are three categories of attachment styles. And I've seen many variations of this, but this is typically how they shake out. So they are secure attachment, ambivalent insecure attachment, and avoidant insecure attachment. So let me break these down. So securely attached children are children that seek comfort from their parents when they're frightened. These are children that greet their parents with positive emotions like mommy, daddy, like they're happy to see their people. These are people that prefer their parents to strangers. Like, hey, these are my people. These, this is my safe base. This is my hub. And typically, children to tend to develop these relationships when their needs are being met. So when their needs are being consistently met by their caregivers, then this is the reason why children are developing that secure attachment. And in adulthood, these securely attached adults, adults tend to have trusting and lasting relationships. They tend to have good self-esteem. They share their feelings with their partners and their friends, and they seek out social support. So from their vantage point, people in general are safe. People in general are not bad. They're not out to get me. These people are safe and I can be okay with them. Then there are the ambivalent and insecurely attached children. So these are children who grow up where sometimes their parents were there and sometimes their parents weren't, you know, sometimes their needs were met when they cried and sometimes they had to just cry it out. You know, it was kind of up and down and it was kind of inconsistent. People with this attachment style are also called anxiously attached or anxious insecure attachment. And so anxiously insecurely attached children tend to be wary of strangers. They become distressed when their parents leave. They're not comforted when their parents come back. And as adults, they are also reluctant to become close to others and they consistently need reassurance that everything is okay. Are we okay? Do you still love me? Are you still in this? Um, They worry whether or not their partner really loves them and they become very distraught when relationships end because they see it as a sign of rejection. And then there are the avoidant and insecurely attached children. So these are children who essentially grew up like I did, (laughs) where Things were not safe and they did not think that they could 
consistently go to their parents for safety and security and that home was not a safe hub and it was not a safe space. And so as children, these children tend to avoid their parents. They do not seek much contact or comfort from their parents because they're trying to stay underneath the radar and they show very little preference for their parents over strangers. It's just kind of like, whatever, I could take it or leave either one. And as adults, these avoidant attachment people tend to have problems in relationships. So they have problems with intimacy. They have very little emotion in social and romantic relationships. And I can, I mean, this is my attachment style. So I, I can say this, there's a fair amount of truth to this. One of, I think one of my flaws is and a relationship is that I emotion, emotionally detach easily. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I can snatch that plug out by default. And I think I talked about how I have a dissociative trauma response. And so I've just learned to kind of like disconnect and this tends to show up in relationships. And so there's very little emotional investment. I have to really work to emotionally invest in a relationship and avoidant attachment people tend to be unwilling or unable to share their thoughts or feelings with others and will seek exit strategies when they don't feel safe in relationships. I can also say this is very true of me. So for example, even if something is going well and cool, I have to fight the urge not to blow it up. <laughs> I have to fight the urge not to sabotage that relationship and that connection because I am conditioned to detach and, and believe that it's not going to work out. So why am I sharing all of this information with you? What does this have to do with your relationship with God? Everything. It has everything to do with it. Because depending on how securely or insecurely we are attached in relationships as adults, there is some absolute carryover with respect to how we treat and interact and think about God. So people who are securely attached tend to have less trouble, little trouble trusting in and relying on God. This doesn't mean that every securely attached person has a relationship with God. That is far from the truth. But with respect for those who do choose to believe and do choose to lean into that process, they call on God, they lean on God, they rely on God. And honestly, that's what God wants. Like that's how it's set up. But for people that are ambivalently attached or anxious attached or avoidantly attached, when you have those attachments, if you are an insecure ambivalent attached person, you tend to tell yourself like, well, I'm too emotionally needy, or I'm afraid I'll be rejected if I ask for comfort. And these people tend to feel burdened and overwhelmed by their own emotions. And they don't want to bother people by asking for their care or for their reassurance. And they also hate being alone. So it's always like they're in conflict. It's like, I don't want to be a bother, but I also hate being alone. And so eventually, these things tend to pour out. And with respect to God, you might have some positive beliefs about God, but you also might believe him to be unreliable. Like sometimes he's here, sometimes he's not. Sometimes he cares and sometimes he doesn't. You believe God to be kind of sometimey. And so it's kind of like this constant need for reassurance. God, are you there? God, are you still with me? God, are we still in this? God, do you see me? And then those individuals who have an insecure avoidant attachment the pattern tends to emerge where they feel like they don't need anybody. They can do it themselves because they can't rely on people to be consistent. And so they've learned not to trust others emotionally. And they've decided that they don't need that level of care anywhere. It's like, okay, it's fine. I got it. I'm fine on my own. I, I can do this. And they believe that they can take care of themselves. So we stay busy. We stay strong. We don't have needs, you know, and we don't have to be vulnerable. 
And typically, you know, these people tend, can be successful in work or in school, but tend to avoid those intimacy relationships and will be uncomfortable when people express lots of emotion. It's like, wait a minute, what is this? What's going on? And I can honestly say I used to be that person. I definitely used to be that person. So if you look at all of the things, the wonderful things that I have going on in my life, what is the one thing that I do not have in my life? An intimate partner relationship. And It's not that I'm not open to that, but I have conditioned myself not to need it. (laughs) I have conditioned myself to be like, oh no, mm -mm, I'm straight on that. And for that reason, I do tend to be very invested in work and I do tend to be very invested in this platform and so many other projects because I prefer to stay busy all the time or I, I stay in my head quite a bit because it's safe there. And as adults, when you think about being avoidantly attached or being self-reliant and not having to rely on people, the comfort that you have, whether you rely on somebody or you don't rely on somebody or whether you lean in or you, you stay out, this absolutely has an effect on your relationship with God. So as much as I love God and as much as the truth of God latched onto me at a young age and as much as I have leveraged my platform through a spiritual and faith-based lens In terms of my one-on-one relationship, I still tend to be very self-reliant. I still tend to be very reluctant to ask God for anything, to ask for help. When I interact with God, I'm like, it's very, from a gratitude perspective, it's like, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for these things that are happening and what have you. But in terms of I need, I want, I hurt, it's a struggle. I'm not even going to sit here and lie to you. It is a struggle. So when I think about my comfort level and think about your comfort level in terms of whether or not you are willing to rely on people or not rely on people, think about those parallels in your adult relationships and how you interact with God. Because here's the dirty little secret. God is a fixer, right? (laughs) God is a fixer. He thrives on needy people. He wants you to depend and rely on him. And if you have been conditioned to believe that neediness is a weakness or that you can't depend on anybody but yourself, that it's not safe to be vulnerable, then your relationship with God is going to have some struggles. And I'm going to leave it there for this episode. But here's one of the things that I want to disabuse you of in case you had any notions that by the end of this series, I was going to show you how to have a magical, mystical, seamless, perfect relationship with God. No, 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 no. That is a complicated relationship. It's a complex relationship. It is a consistent push and pull between human will, knowledge and intellect and spiritual divine connection. And so those things are are sometimes in harmony and sometimes those things are very much at odds. And so as much as I have been through in my life and not just in childhood, But some of the choices that I've made in adulthood and some of the painful relationships that I've had to navigate through and some of those steep waters that I've had to kind of like wade through to try to get to the other side of heartbreak and disappointment and grief and all of those things. God has been there the whole time and I have relied on or not relied on him at varying points. And there are some times where I have just strayed completely away like, you know what, I'm good on you. I'm straight. And eventually I come running back, you know, with my head in my hand, like, help me. I can't do this. I'm on the verge of collapse. So, you know, God is very good at waiting people out. (laughs) He does this to me all the time. He was like, oh, okay. 
you and your feelings. Okay, well you'll be back. I'll be here when you when you when you have your moment. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you do you. But I'll be right here. And then when we come back together, it's like peaches and herb reunited, and it feels so good. But all of that has to do with the way that I was raised, the way that I was conditioned. And so we think that the relationship that we have with people is one thing, and that's one category, but the relationship we have with God is a different category. And they're not entirely that different because there are some significant parallels and some commonalities between the way that we interact in our adult relationships and as well as the way that we interact with God. So next week, we are going to be talking about relationship barriers. So what are some of the things that get in the way of that relationship? And how do we navigate around some of those barriers? So if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, you know, you can hit me up at Dr. Shante says on Twitter, on Instagram, if you have not left a review for this podcast, I would kindly and greatly appreciate that you do do that. For those of you that want more information about attachment style and attachment theory and that sort of thing, I will certainly be able to reference some of those on my social media so that you can link to those and get more information about what style you might be. There's even a quiz that you can take to find out what kind of attachment style that you are and see if that gives you some greater insight into this content. And I will see you guys next time.